You know, there was a time uh, when the Bible and Christian ideals were very much a part of uh, popular culture in America. You know, I mean, it, a couple generations ago, it was everyone read the Bible and everyone talked about things that were going on in the world uh, through a lens of understanding something about the Bible or something about Christianity. Uh, it's not so much true today, uh, and it's, you know, America's been called a post-Christian society. I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but here's the thing that's really neat. The Bible has influenced American culture a lot. I mean, more than a lot of people who are opposed to Christianity would be willing to, uh, to admit. Um, but it's really interesting. Like, uh, it's been said that the Bible has contributed as many phrases to the English language as any other book. Or, or let me say it a different way. Has contributed more phrases to the English language than any other book. And I don't know if that's true exactly. Like, I didn't actually count all the phrases that the Bible uh, contributed to American pop language. But the truth is, uh, we say phrases all the time that actually came from the Bible. Uh, you may be aware of that, you may, you may not. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, here, here's a phrase that maybe you've heard before. Maybe you've heard someone say, oh, that's just a drop in the bucket. You heard that phrase? Like, just a drop in the bucket. It means a very small impact on something much larger or something like that. Did you know that originally that came from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 15? Yeah, it's originally from the Bible. It's worked its way into our English vernacular, and we use it all the time. Maybe you've heard this one. Someone said that someone maybe escaped this by the skin of their teeth. You ever heard that phrase? By the skin of your teeth? I've always thought it was a really weird phrase. Like, I don't know, I don't, maybe you need a brush more, you know, a tartar issue. Like, I don't know what's going on with the skin of your teeth. Uh, but it means you, you narrowly escaped a disaster or you, you barely got into something. You just did it by the skin of your teeth. You know, that's originally from the Bible, Job chapter 20, uh, uh, 19 verse 20, chapter 19 verse 20. And um, so there, there's another one. There's, there's another one that we, you may hear more often, maybe in politics or something. You ever heard of the phrase that something is a scapegoat or that someone is a scapegoat? It's actually from, uh, from Old Testament law in the Bible. There was actually a literal goat every year that the priest would take this goat and they would ceremonially lay their hands on this goat and they would symbolically place the sins of all of Israel on this one goat and then they would set him loose into the wilderness. It would stink to be that goat. Um, but, you know, you got, that's the goat that you are and um, it meant that you were, you know, receiving the blame for something. You were a scapegoat, right? And, that, and it's something that you see all the time. It's worked their way into uh, popular language. Uh, Abraham Lincoln famously said this when he was talking uh, around the time of the Civil War. He said that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln kind of made that phrase very famous in American history. But you know that it's something that actually Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Really interesting. In fact, we still use that phrase today. In North Carolina, uh, a house divided means that like a, a UNC fan married a Duke fan, right? And you got like the flag outside, you're like, we're a house divided, we can't get along on Saturday. Um, but that, that actually originally came from the Bible. It's all over the place. There's so many of them. There's more. Maybe you've heard the phrase, uh, don't cast your pearls before swine. That's from the Bible. There's a time and a season for everything. You ever heard that kind of idea? That's from the Bible. It's also a famous classic rock song. How about this phrase, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth? You hear that phrase? It's from the Mosaic Law, from the Old Testament. Uh, the phrase, turn the other cheek. Something Jesus said. All the time we see these phrases. Now, here's the deal. In their original context, when these phrases were originally used, uh, they meant something. They, many, they, were, they were part of a story. They were part of a context. They were part of an instruction. But then they were used in a different context, and they took on a different meaning, where at one point they were maybe some kind of sacred, uh, important word in the Bible. That later, it's just, you know... A house divided, Carolina fan, married a state fan, and it's just a phrase that we say. Still has some meaning, but the meaning's completely different. In fact, some of those phrasings have become, I want you to stick with this phrase I'm about to use. Some of those phrases have become just words. They're just words. Maybe in a certain context they have power, 
But in another context, they're just words. All right, that's where I want to start us out today. That idea, that phrase, and that mindset of just words. We're in week two of this teaching series um, about prayer uh, called What Happens When We Pray. And we've been talking about prayer. Last week we took a look through the Bible and through history to see what happens when people pray and does God actually listen and is there an impact on the world because of it. And I hope that you were here last week and if you didn't catch that, uh, that, that lesson, I hope that you'll check it out on our podcast. Um, but the whole idea is that, yes, history has shown us, life has shown us, personal experiences that I share from the stage have shown us that There is a correlation between when people pray and when things happen in the world and that God is involved. But when I think about prayer, sometimes the problem I have with prayer is that for me it's just words. Like I'm not saying that I'm always failing at prayer. I'm also not going to say that I'm like perfect at it. There's a lot of times where I pray and like I feel like the words are coming to my mouth or like the thoughts are coming across my mind or the idea is coming across, but I don't know. It just feels like it's just words. Like maybe they're just going up into the atmosphere and vanishing or maybe they're not really coming out of somewhere deep in my heart. I don't know, but it's just words. Maybe you've been there too. Maybe for you, prayer has felt like just words. Whether it's been prayers that you've tried to say or maybe you're someone who's maybe a little bit skeptical about Christianity, about God, about some spiritual things, and then when you look into the idea of prayers, you're like, how could they have power? They're just words. I think that that's actually reflected in some of the things and the way that we treat prayer in, uh, in our dealings with each other every day. Like, I think that a lot of times we, I say we, I'm going to say people like me who believe in prayer, <laughs> we tend to treat prayer kind of like a lucky charm. You know, like a lucky rabbit's foot or like a horseshoe that you'd hang over your, your doorway. It's like, I mean, it's kind of superstitious. If you, if you look at like a football team that's in the locker room, and they might have like an ordeal that they go through every week. Maybe there's a statue that they rub his head, or maybe there's a spot on the, the, the wall in the, in the room before they run out, or maybe they got lucky socks or a lucky T-shirt that they wear under their jersey. They understand that's just superstition because when the rubber hits the road, they still have to go out on the field and play football, Right? And so sometimes prayer can feel like that. It's just a thing we do to make us feel like we're trying a little extra hard. But in reality, it's still up to me. I've seen this in in phrases that we use a lot. There's a phrase that I hear a lot. It is, uh, your your family is in my thoughts and prayers. Or your situation is in my thoughts and prayers. Which is a great phrase. I'm not dogging the phrase. It's a good phrase. But I wonder if maybe sometimes we say a phrase like that or you hear it on the news. Our thoughts and prayers are with those individuals. But I wonder what it means. Like, did someone actually stop and and devote thoughts to that? Did someone actually stop and say a prayer? Or is it just words that make us feel like we're involved spiritually, but I'm not sure. Another one that we see a lot is when, uh, I've been guilty of this. You have a friend, they're going through something, and you'll tell them. You look them in the eyes, and you'll say, I'll be praying about that. I'll pray for you. And that's a great phrase. I'm not dogging the phrase, but I wonder Have you ever been like I've been sometimes, and you say, I'll pray for you, but then you don't. You just don't. You walk away, and like days have gone by, weeks have gone by, and I forgot to pray for you. And then I hear about that thing happened, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I was going to pray about that. Shoot, I didn't. My intentions were good, but it turned out that it was just words. 
I just felt like I was doing something spiritual, something religious, and in reality, I didn't. Or, or maybe something I've seen a lot, like on Facebook, social media, things that you, you see that somebody puts their prayer request out into the world. And that's a great thing. It's awesome. Please pray for my family. Please pray for this situation. Please pray for this thing that's going on around the world. And underneath, you'll see like 100 comments, and they all say what? Praying, 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 praying. And that's great. That's awesome. But I wonder how many of us are actually going praying. Stop what I'm doing. Take a minute to talk to God about it. Or is it just words? When I look through what God says in the Bible about prayer, here's one thing I'm positive of. Prayer is way more than just words. There is power behind prayer. There is purpose behind prayer. There is something that happens when people pray. I got a phrase I want you to hold on to that prayer has power, not because of the words of the person who is praying, but because of who they're praying to. It's not just words when it goes to the right person. Here at Venture Church, we love to take time to look at the Bible for answers to some of life's most important questions. And so we're going to be open to the Bible today. If you've got one, please take it out, uh, flip over, or scroll down. We're going to be in the book of Luke, which is in the New Testament of the Bible. It's like in the back uh, third of the Bible, and it's one of four biographies we have of the life of Jesus, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. Because today I want to take time to look at a time in the Bible where Jesus taught about prayer. And he taught us specifically how to make it more than just words. How to make it something that really matters. And I think there's some perspectives and some ideas that we can gain through what Jesus taught that we can really apply to our own lives. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 11 and starting at verse 1. Uh, it's also on the screen behind me. Uh, by the way, if you're, if you're new here today or if you haven't heard this before, if you don't have a Bible, we give them away for free every week. And so if there's one of the Bibles that was under your seat, uh, if it was there when you got here, take it. It's, it's yours. We want it to be a free gift to you. Or uh, there's, one, there's some more back there by the coffee area. You can get some more. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. And starting at verse 1, it says, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, will you teach us to pray? Just as John taught his disciples? All right, let's stop right there. Uh, John that they're talking about here um, is John the Baptist. You may have heard of him. He's from the New Testament. Very uh, pivotal character in and around the life of Jesus. John was a Jewish teacher, and John did a lot to introduce a lot of people to Jesus. That was his main purpose in life. And so that's who they're talking about. And apparently, John also did some workshops on prayer. I don't know. Uh, so they said, hey, Jesus, uh, we see that you're praying. And John taught his followers how to pray, but we want to pray like you. Can you teach us how to pray? My father-in-law is a really good woodworker. Uh, I don't know if he'd call himself a carpenter. I certainly would. The guy builds uh, awesome things. That, that actually, that, that coffee bar back there that we get our coffee on, he, he built that. But he also builds some really uh, pretty furniture and just nice-looking things. He builds cornhole boards. And I love being in his wood shop. And I love being in there and watching him work. And I know he must get tired of me when I'm in there with him because I'm constantly asking him questions. Like, he's like, I'm like, man, why'd you do that? Why'd you use that tool? Ooh, 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 what's the name of that thing? Ah, or like I'll be working on stuff at my house. I love to build and make stuff. And I'll call him, hey, I'm trying to do this. How do you do that? Like, could you show me how to do that? What I've learned is that when you know someone who's a master at something, it is a really good idea to ask for their opinion about stuff in that area. Because if they know something, you should ask them about it. And I couldn't think of anybody better to teach us about prayer than Jesus. The disciples see that he's praying, and they say, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? It's really cool because... They do say John teaches his disciples how to pray. And Jesus could have said, look, oh, John's doing a seminar on prayer down the road. Why don't you go check him out? But Jesus goes, no, no, I will show you. I will show you. And so we jump right in. In verse 2, he does it. He says, all right, 
Well, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. This prayer has been called the Lord's Prayer. Maybe your grandma has a uh, needle stitched in her living room somewhere. Uh, maybe you prayed it with a, a coach or a, a team when you were growing up and everybody gathered around and you said the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've heard different versions of this. It sounded a little bit more Shakespearean than this. This has been called the Lord's Prayer. But there's another name for this prayer that I really like. It's been also called Jesus' Model Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is a really good title for it because a, a name for Jesus is Lord. But I love calling it Jesus' Model Prayer. Because Jesus isn't saying, listen, when you pray, you should say these exact same words every time. In fact, we see Jesus praying other ways, and we see people that Jesus taught to pray, pray other ways. And so we know that Jesus doesn't expect us to pray just like this every time. But he says, when you pray, here's some things that you should consider. And so my goal over the rest of this, this morning is just to take a look at that model prayer and some things that Jesus said afterwards and ask ourselves, what can we learn about prayer and how can we make it more than just words in our life? And so we're going we're gonna to kind of dissect uh, the model prayer, and actually what's cool is the first lesson that I noticed is not in something that he says, but it's actually in something that he was doing. Did you catch that in verse 1? Verse 1 says this. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Did you catch that? Jesus was playing, praying in a certain place. Several times when we find Jesus praying, we find that uh, he went off somewhere to do it. He was somewhere else praying. When you read the story of Jesus' life, what you learn quickly is that Jesus was a really busy guy. I mean, he had a lot going on. A lot of people wanted his attention. Sometimes there were hundreds and thousands of people just waiting to get a moment with Jesus. And so Jesus understood the value of getting away from all that and going over there to pray. I think one way that we can really make prayer more than just words is that we take the time to set aside a time and a place to do it. Like, my wife could try to talk to me about something. We have important conversations. We've been married for a long time. And she could try to talk to me about something, and she could really do it in basically one of two ways. Here's scenario number one, okay? I'm sitting on the couch. I'm in the recliner, okay? I got a Coke. I got a bag of chips. And I'm watching, like, Iron Man 3 on FX, okay? I'm, I'm chilling. I'm, I'm loving it. It's high action. It's that, it's that part right before Iron Man gets in a fight with the other big robot guy, and it's like, yeah, this is awesome. And my wife kind of sitting next to me. She puts her hand on my leg. She goes, hey, honey, uh, we need to talk about something real important right now. And, husbands, have you been there? Okay. And she's like, let me talk about something important. And listen, here's what I need you to do. I need you tomorrow. Uh, could, you, could you please make a point to call the bank? Because we got this thing going on and I can't figure it out. And she becomes the Charlie Brown teacher, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And what happens tomorrow? Hey, babe, did you call the bank? Huh? <laughs> we, we talked about this. We did. When did we talk about it? Scenario one, right? Scenario two is this, recliner, Coke, bag of chips, movie. Hey, babe, uh, I need to talk about something with you. Okay, yeah. Uh, listen, uh, when the movie's over, after we put the kids to bed, after dinner, after we picked up the living room, would you mind having a few minutes and talking with me about this? Huh? Yeah. Now, now it might be true that after the kids go to bed and after the dinner's cleaned up, I, she might go, we need to talk. And I'm like, about what? Like, I might not have remembered that she said that. But the two different scenarios are this. In one scenario, I'm completely distracted, and in the other scenario, I'm listening, right? And then we work out whatever we need to work out. When it comes to prayer, Jesus does an important thing here. He was off in a certain place. If you've got a prayer habit, I'm, and if you're good at it, my guess is I could ask you when and where do you pray, and you could name two or three places, boom, like that. If you're not too good at prayer, if I said when and where do you pray, you'd be like, ah, you know, 
like every now, I mean, some, when I'm driving to work, no, wait, that was a guy cut me off, so I kind of stopped. While I'm going to sleep, but I, I fall asleep while I'm praying. So that's kind of good. I do it at mealtime. And those are good times to pray, too. We can pray throughout the day, and it doesn't always have to be some articulate, well-put-together thing. But if we would take the time to go to a certain place at a certain time and focus, not only do we get to say better things, but what happens in my wife and I's relationship when I take time? And what happens with our relationship with God? We take time. Jesus went off to a certain place. Jesus, we teach you how to, us how to preach. Well, yeah, well, first of all, I was over there, so you could do that. Now, when you pray, verse 2, he jumped back in. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. I, I want to break down this sentence because it's actually got a lot of stuff in it. As I started digging into it, it blew my mind a couple of things I saw. The first thing is the very first word. He says, when you pray, say, Father. And a lot of your English translations have a comma there. It's just like, Father. We are starting off like we're writing a letter, okay? And we're addressing it to someone. Dear Dad, Father. Let's take a second and look at that word Father because it's really important to the Jewish people that Jesus was talking to at this time. Uh, we can read from one of them in the book of Romans, chapter 8. We get uh, an awesome Christian teacher named Paul, and he writes to a church in Rome. He writes in Romans, chapter 8, verse 15. He's kind of talking about talking to God in prayer. He says this. In verse 15, he says, The spirit you received, that's the spirit of God when you decide you're going to serve Jesus. He said, The spirit that you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, this is what God's spirit does for us. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and daughtership. And by him, by the spirit of God, listen what we can do. By him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That word Abba comes from Hebrew. And the word Abba, he says Abba, Father, is a Hebrew kind of uh, pet name for your father. It's more akin to daddy or papa. Like it's not some regal phrase that we use for some you know, majestic father that we don't have a relationship with. But it's someone that we can feel like we can walk up to and kind of get up on his lap and say, Hey, Dad, I got something I need to talk about. And Paul says, when we have the Spirit of God in our life, we can cry out to God, Abba, Father. And Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, comma. <laughs> Prayer isn't like petitioning the government for your needs. Have you, have you been to healthcare.gov, anybody? <laughs> have you had the opportunity to speak to one of their lovely phone assistants? <laughs> How many hours did you talk to them, right? I'm, uh, great people, I'm sure. But here's the thing. It is literally an act of Congress to get my health care taken care of, right? But when we go to God, we got an open line. Father, I need to talk about something. Wow. How can prayer be more than just words? I think when we begin to understand that God loves us, like a dad. And I get it. I think Aaron said this from stage last week. I get it. Not everyone has the great dad experience. You might have had a, a, a bad dad. You might have had an absent father. You might have been unfortunate to the point that your father passed away and, and wasn't in your life or hasn't been recently. And so when you think about father and you think about dad, there might be a little, ah, a little hurt in your heart about that. The cool thing about God is that he's a perfect father. I'm not a perfect father. I do the best I can. But for my kids to be able to look at God and go, Father, this is what I need. It starts with Father, but I said we're going to break down this whole sentence, and a lot's going on there. This sentence says, start and say, Father, hallowed be your name, 
your kingdom come. And I don't know if you notice this. If you've heard this prayer like a million times, it probably just blew right over your head like it did for me until I started trying to break it down and find something in there that was really uh, helpful. Here's the thing. At the beginning of the sentence, you're talking to Abba, Father. By the end of the sentence, you're talking about someone's kingdom. We're talking about someone who has a kingdom. We're talking to a king. And I don't know about your dad. I don't know what he did for a living. My dad didn't have a kingdom, okay? Like, I mean, he did, like, he's like, my house is my castle, and there's, like, the recliner in the corner, and he did have some cool tools out in the shed, but that was the extent of it. I guess I was his, like, minions and servants and and loyal subjects, right? But that was it. But when we go to God, it's so cool because prayer can be just words sometimes until we realize, holy cow, we're talking to the king. This is God, the creator of the universe, the sustainer of life, the creative mastermind behind the the world. This is someone who has supreme authority and power. And so that when you walk up to someone with a supreme authority, the person that's got the authority in the room or the situation, and you can go to them and say, listen, I need this taken care of. And that person's like, take care of it, take care of it, get it done. God is the king. And when we approach God in prayer, Not only do we get to kneel before him as a child before his father, we get to stand in the presence in the courtroom of Almighty God and talk to someone who can, hear me guys, talk to someone who can actually deal with it. Someone who's actually got the power, the authority, the ability, and the resources to deal with what we're asking about. Wow. Wow, there's a teacher that I've heard online. In fact, I want to uh, encourage you to go to the website, teachustopray.org. I stumbled upon it while I was researching some stuff for this series. And a great website, got some great resources about prayer. And there's a guy on there named Simon Bevy, uh, who is a Christian Christian teacher in Nairobi, Kenya. And he does this workshop. It's it's two one-hour workshops on prayer, and they're fantastic. Uh, And he says one thing in there that I think we need to kind of take a second to take in. This is something that, that Simon Bevy says. He says, when you kneel before the king, you gain a father. When we pray, God shows up, and there's a showdown. The king is in town, and things happen. How do you make prayer more than just words? You realize that you're taking your needs to the king, and it just so happens that the king is your father. With that perspective, suddenly the last two verses of Jesus' model prayer come into focus. If this has been something that you've heard many times, it's interesting to hear it with that mindset. Let's take, out, uh, take, take a look at verse 3. The first thing he says is, then you pray, give us each day our daily bread. God can meet our daily needs. Why? One, he wants to because he's a father. Two, he can because he's king. He's able. Can, can, I, can my prayer feel like it's just hitting the ceiling? Yes. But what if the person that I'm praying for is able to deal with my issues? Uh, It's not just words. Our food, our our lodging, our financial situations, our daily needs, our relationships, the stress that we're dealing with at work, the moment that we're dealing with right now. Give us this day our daily bread. And then the next verse, it says, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. You could probably get whatever you want out of this little part of the model prayer, but here's where I come with this, is that when we pray, it's important not only to ask God for what we need, but also to ask him to help us in our spiritual development. In this example, Jesus says, look, help me when I sin. I mean, anybody, you know, struggle with sin? 
Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Well, where do we go with that? Where, where do you get off going to God asking him to forgive you for your sins? Really? Well, if anybody can deal with sin, it's the king who is supreme over the law that makes it sin or not sin. And he's the one who can come in and say, I can forgive you for that. And he can give us the remedy to come behind us and heal from that and keep us away from the temptation that's going to help us sin. So his disciples see Jesus praying and they say, man, that, there's something about his prayer. Jesus, will you please teach us how to pray? And he says, okay, well, here, here's what you need to know. When you pray, first, you're talking to God, who happens to be the king and your father. And guess what? The good news is you can ask him about your daily needs. You can ask him about spiritual things. Pray. Pray. Prayer is so much more than just words. Prayer is the evidence that God loves us because he's got an ear for us, and he wants to hear what we have to say. To me, it's kind of like this. Um, like a lot of you, I've got a pretty full schedule. Um, and so uh, as a pastor, for example, um, you know, a church of this size, we're, we're a smaller church, but I do my best to spend time with as many people from the church as I can. And so I'll, I'll meet with you and we'll do coffee or I'll go hang out with you after you get off work or, or maybe you've got a specific need and we get together to pray or maybe you just kind of need some counsel and some things you're dealing with and, uh, and I'll come and spend time with you. And so that takes up time and then I spend time working for the church. That's my primary job. And so I'm, I'm writing a sermon or I'm working on programming stuff or I'm out in the city making contacts with the nonprofits that we work with and doing all that, working with the school, stuff like that. And so that's full enough as it is, right? Also, another thing, like a lot of you, I'm in involved in more than just my job. And so I volunteer, and I work with my kids' Cub Scouts, and I, and I, and I go to soccer games and help with that and stuff like that. And, and, and I'm also involved in other organizations, and I'm, I also am the director of a statewide uh, nonprofit that does a youth conference every year. So we have a big conference with like 1,500 teenagers every year over in the western part of the state. And, and I've got a team that I work with, and I have board meetings, and I've got planning meetings, and I've got emails. And so as a result, I'm not paying myself any more busy than the rest of you. We all have lives, right? We all have busyness. But as a result, when I meet somebody new and I want to hang out with them, it might just happen that I need to schedule time with them. I'm not going to say, hey, you want to meet right now and talk for three hours? No, we, we got things to do. Well, how about next Thursday? What are you doing at 2 o'clock? Let's hang out, right? Sometimes I might get an email from somebody, and they want to know something about this conference, or they want to invite me to come do an event somewhere, and I... I might not reply to the email right away, right? It might take a day or two to get back to that. Now, that's the thing. That's your life. That's my life. We're busy. But I want to tell you something. There are two people in this world, two people in this world that no matter what I've got going on, I will drop it. I will stop what I'm doing. And there is an always open door policy for those two people. And those two people are my son, Silas, and my daughter, Savannah. The same thing is said about my wife as well. But we're talking about the love and the availability of a loving father to his children. When we think about the idea that God has time for us, suddenly, for me at least, as I've grown in it, as I've gotten, uh, I'll say, better at praying, when I pull back long enough to say, God, wow, you're listening. And not only that, but all of us could begin praying at the same time right now. And God would have an ear for each one of us. I realize that though I'm not the king, and I'm far from a perfect father, the love that I have for my two kids, and I want to do anything. I have dropped phone calls and canceled appointments and declined invitations to do things that I would enjoy doing because I already had someone on the calendar to do with my kids. To think that God would have that heart and that time for me, 
makes me ask the question, what happens when I pray? What if I took a minute to go to a certain place at a certain time and go to the king who happens to be my father? Farther down in the passage that we're reading in Luke chapter 11, I love that Jesus actually follows up his model prayer with this, this little tidbit. <laughs> Listen to this. This is Jesus talking about God. In verse 11, he says, Which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's so cool that Jesus includes this in his teaching about prayer. Because I think it's fundamental and pivotal in taking our prayer idea and turning it into more than just words, more than just a lucky charm, more than just a lucky rabbit's foot, and into a relationship with a God who loves us. What happens when we pray? God shows up with exactly what we need. Why? Because he's a loving father and a powerful king. And like the song says, it's who he is. And it's what he does. One awesome thing about prayer is that it is available for people on all levels of faith. Uh, you, you might think of someone in your life that is very, very uh, good at faith. <laughs> they're like, they're, they're faithing all over the place. And you're like, man, if I could just get a piece of that, like I'd be, whew, I, can, I don't even know, I can't even trust God to, to wake me up in the morning, but you're trusting God with all kinds of things. Prayer is good on all levels of faith. I mean, you can be really, really, really dedicated every day. This guy, uh, Simon Bevy, who talked on the seminar online, he said his grandma gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning and prays for four hours. <laughs> he was like, she's 100 years old. She's got nothing else to do. <laughs> Maybe you look at that and like, that ain't me. I can't do that. Maybe you're the one who's just kind of sitting on the edge of disaster, and you're sending up that little flag to God like, if you're there, a <laughs> little help, please. And, faith hit, and prayer hits on all of those levels, all the way up and down. Because it's simply starting a conversation with the Father. And so what I want to do is take some time uh, as we wrap up to just, to just give us a starting point for prayer. I want us to be a community of people who praise. In fact, I'm going to say something pretty bold right now. It might be that you aren't even a Christian this morning. Like you don't even know that you want to be a Christian. But your friend invited you or you've just been coming because it seems like an okay thing to do. <laughs> and you know what's really cool? God's cool with you praying to him. You could just say, God, show up. Hopefully just through this community, you can see that God is answering that prayer. So what I want to do is take a, a look at some things that we can do as we try to get better at praying. And uh, you can write them down. I just think it's, I think it's like three things. Um, the first thing is this. We need to start out by setting aside time. You saw Jesus do that, right? Jesus went off to a certain place. Don't worry if you have a hard time praying for more than a few seconds or more than a few minutes. You don't have to set aside two hours to start with, but just set aside a moment every day. When is it going to be? You can decide right now. In fact, some of you are writing down notes. Write it down. Like, I know that on my drive home from work, I sit in my, the parking lot before I leave work. I could sit there for two minutes and pray before I go get in the mess of life <laughs> again, right? Pick a moment. Is it on your lunch break? Is it first thing in the morning? It's going to need to be a moment. Uh, I've heard of runners who, when they want to get uh, into, like maybe they've been away from running and exercising for a while, they want to get back into it. One thing that they'll do is they'll, in the night before they go to bed, they'll set aside their, their running shoes, and they'll get their running clothes out, and they'll put them right there next to their bed, and they'll get everything ready so that when they set their alarm clock and they wake up, they have as few excuses as possible 
to not run, right? And so they're going to get up. There's everything. If you're, if you're ever going on a diet and you want to eat more healthy, you got to plan ahead. you got to pack your lunch so that you're not accidentally eating gas station hot dogs again, right? You're like, i I got to plan ahead. I got to get, if you're doing budget and you want to do better with spending, people will take their money out of the bank, divide it into envelopes that are marked, this is for rent, this is for food, this is not for going to the movies and getting $10 worth of popcorn. Like, it's not for that. Because it's so easy just to swipe the card. I'm going to do things in advance. I'm going to set aside a time and a place. And so the first thing really, guys, is still New Year. Like, I'm not going to hark on the resolution stuff. I'm just going to say it's it's, it's a good time for new habits. Set aside a time. The second thing is this, and it might seem obvious or it might seem like something you didn't necessarily want to do, but it's write things down. Write things down. The reason I say this is because it's something that's helped me to get in a better habit whenever I get off track. Uh, I would recommend that you get a piece of paper, maybe a journal, but don't wait till you get a nice fancy journal. You got loose leaf paper right at your house. You got a receipt in your wallet. Like pull something out, okay? Draw a line down the middle of that thing. And I want to give you two ideas of things that you could write down as you try to get a better prayer habit. The first thing is maybe on the left column, list your thanks. Like this isn't actually prayer. It's kind of like prayer. It could be prayer. But just list things. Like, what, what are good things in my life? Thank you that I have like heat in my car. The air conditioner doesn't work, but it's okay. It's January, right? I'm thankful for that, right? And you know, you can list the things that you're thankful for, whether it's people in your life. And yes, true, true. Those of you who have been into prayer for a long time, you know, that, that is a way of praying, just lifting up thoughts to God that you're thankful for. But write them down so that when you go at that time and that place, you'll have some things to look at, thankful things. The other column, maybe on the right side of the paper, is write down a list of your needs. This is where you go, give us, God, my daily bread. <laughs> what are your needs? Is it a big thing you're dealing with, a relationship thing, a finance thing? Maybe you hate your job and you just want a way out. Maybe it's something in your neighborhood. Maybe you want to pray for our church. Maybe you want to pray for our city. What are your needs? If you're just beginning this, it can be three things, two things, up to five things maybe. Maybe you have a really good prayer habit. I'd encourage you to just keep a long list of things. There's a couple reasons why we write things down. Uh, the, the first thing is that it can help you to stay on track while you're praying. So you set aside a time, I show up on my piece of paper, and now when I'm going to pray, I have uh, some things that I want to stay focused on. Because if you're like me, you get distracted. I like to pray a lot while I'm sitting in a parking lot or driving. And so sometimes I'm just like praying. Next thing I know, I'm like, somewhere else. you got something to kind of pray. Maybe you're a person who's a checklist person. You can literally, okay, I prayed about that. I prayed about that. All right. The other reason that it's really good to write things down is because then you can develop a track record for what's happening in your prayer life. I prayed for this to happen, and lo and behold, it happened. So faith building. And so write things down. The third thing that we can do, um, and, and it might seem like a no-brainer, but here it is. Do it. Pray. Do it. Have you seen that YouTube video? If you haven't, I'm sorry. Um, pray, do it. So often we make plans. I got my running shoes out. I got new running shoes. They're $150 running shoes. I got these sweet spandex things. They wick. They wick the sweat. They make me more athletic. Yes, and I got my route plotted out on the iPhone map, and I've even called my buddy. He's going to run too. Alarm clock goes off. We're like, snooze, snooze, snooze. You can write down all the stuff you want to. You can set aside on your calendar all the time. But there's got to be a moment where you're like, I'm going to do it. And if you ever had that first workout, we are like, going to work out a day. Ah, one. Okay, we're good. We're good. But you did it. You tried. Do it. When are you going to start? Today? That's good. You're going to take, today's good. You're going to leave right now. That's fine. Go ahead. We're done here. <laughs> set aside some time. Maybe first thing in the morning, maybe before you go to bed tonight, set aside to do it. And then you just go through the model prayer that Jesus gave us. When you, when you sit down to do it, you start out, Father. Father in heaven. Acknowledge who he is and what he can do in our life. He's listening. We saw that last week. 
And he promises that he will listen. And then spend a minute praying to who he is. I love the model prayer. It says, uh, hallowed be your name. This means, God, you are you're good. You're holy. You're pure. You're righteous. Thank you. Celebrate that with him. And then pull out your list. Thankful for these things. Man, thank you for this. Please help me with these things. These are my needs. And then you're almost done. You're almost done. Let's borrow something from Jesus' model prayer. Prayer for, for some spiritual growth. God, don't let me be led into temptation. Please deliver me from evil. Please forgive me when I sin. Take some time to say, God, these are next steps I want to take. Please help me. And then, as you're finished, Christians pray in the name of Jesus. You ever heard that and wondered why? At the end of a prayer, people say, in Jesus' name, amen. It doesn't just let us know, like, what club we're a part of, like, I'm a Rotary member, I'm a member of like YMCA. Like it's, it's not just an identifying mark to make sure you know like your, your prayers get like by, the, by God's post office workers get put in the right slot. Like that's not what it is. We pray in Jesus' name because here's the thing. If I ask something by the power of my own name, man, I'm nothing. I don't have the power. But when we go to God and say, listen, I, I want to call on the name of the most powerful person that I know, Jesus Jesus, who was God in the flesh, who came to give himself for me so that I could be reconnected to you, God, so that I can even have the chance to pray. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And this is just a start. But will you do it? I want to encourage you this week to do it. And I'll tell you what it's not. It's not just words. What happens when we pray? Our words reach the ear of the Father, the King. Can I pray for you guys this morning? Father, Dad, you are a good, good Father. And Father, I want to give you praise for being good. I want to give you praise for being powerful, for being mighty. Lord, in this room right now, we, uh, we kind of sit in silence and in, and in awe of that. Lord, I pray that you meet our needs every day. Lord, there are some in this room who are having a hard time paying their bills, who are having a hard time loving their spouse, who are having a hard time getting through school, who are having a hard time at work. Lord, those are daily things that they're wrestling with. And Lord, I pray that you give them the, the stamina, the encouragement, the network of friends, the love, the resources to deal with whatever it is that's going on in their life, Lord. Lord, I pray that you forgive us of our sin. And God, there may be someone, maybe several people in the room right now who aren't really, who haven't already turned over their life to you. And God, I pray for them that you'll help them maybe see you clearer. Maybe that they just continue coming back to this place with we people and uh, learn more about you. Help us as we try our best to, to show you off and meet us where we're weak. God, help us to pray. And we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.